Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self-Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we are chatting with successful business owners to hear their story of the journey to building their business. And because we know that success in business doesn't come uh, alone, we are recognizing the folks who have helped us on our journey. And today I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us. My guest has flown to London more than 150 times in his life. That is crazy. Uh, in his downtime, other than golf, he enjoys uh, time with his wife and his three-year-old son, who is his best buddy. And he's most proud uh, from a personal standpoint of how close his family has remained. He has three younger sisters and seven nephews and nieces and extended family, and they get together on a regular basis. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Curtis to the show. Hello, Curtis. Hello, Tim. Thank you, and good morning. Hey, let's start with having you introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born and live, and your family and your hobbies. Sure. Yeah, uh, I am from Zionsville, Indiana, originally. I grew up there right up until high school, and growing up as a diehard Hoosier, right before high school, my family moved up to West Lafayette. Um, so I went to high school up in West Lafayette after after high school, went down to Indiana University, and I've either been downtown Indy or up here in Westfield, Indiana ever since. I spoke about my family. As you mentioned, I have three younger sisters. We're all very close. Um, two of them are here in the area as well. In the last four years, we've, well, I have another son coming in about four weeks, and Thank that God. will be the ninth. Thank you. Ninth grandchild in uh, less than four years. Oh, wow. So <laughs> that's the phase of life that we're all in right now. Um, but uh, right as I was uh, leaving Indiana University is uh, when I had an opportunity to become an entrepreneur. It wasn't planned. Uh, that's how my life got me to where we are here. But as you said, I'm passionate for golf, uh, passionate for a nonprofit organization called Young Life here in the state of Indiana. That I'm heavily involved in. Um, big sports Colts fan and uh, just kind of in that time of life of grinding and having kids. So <laughs> yeah, I know you can feel exactly where I'm at. And that's where I'm at. <laughs> so you've mentioned a uh, big Hoosier fan. I love the sign in the background. That's awesome. If you could see the whole thing, it's uh, it was during COVID when, uh, when people weren't allowed to the, at the games, mm. you could pay to get this poster. And it's actually a picture of my son when he was very young, I think he was maybe one or less than one. And uh, so they put that billboard or that poster in the stadium, in the seats. So my son <laughs> technically had season tickets uh, during COVID when no one else did. So oh, that's funny. Kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. So is, um, Curtis, is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? You know, I, that's a question that, I didn't know the answer to, and and I asked. <laughs> the response I got was not what I expected. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a weird one, but I'll just share it anyway. Um, and it'll kind of lead into, um, we'll talk about my travel at some point, I'm sure. Um, but there was a point when I was traveling um, extremely heavily internationally, at least two or three weeks a month um, for about four years. Wow. Um, and I, I remember coming home off of a, 21 day, 21 flight trip all throughout Europe in the UK. And I remember coming home 
and my family was all together at a restaurant and I didn't tell them I was coming home a day early, surprised everyone there. It was real fun. <laughs> I had one Coors Light and my family has a video of me. <laughs> I just, I was slurring my words. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I didn't know that they thought it was so funny. Well, I knew they did, but I didn't know that'd be top of mind. <laughs> so my, my father has this 20 second clip of me answering a question. And I just remember I was so tired <laughs> and travel worn. <laughs> and so Tim, that was not the story I expected them to say. Yeah. Um, but they love to make fun of me for that, I guess. I, I, I love it. That's a great story. And now the whole world's going to know about it. <laughs> so 150 mm. times to London. That is just uh, unbelievable. So, yeah, um, even I, I didn't realize that. You remember the app Foursquare? Mm -hmm. It was an app where you would check in. Kind of, you, you do that now, right? But it was yeah. more of that's all you would do. And so I would do that during my travel so that I knew if I had returned somewhere, I could have stats where have I been. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I remember landing at Heathrow and it told me it was 150th time. I think it was 27 and that happened. Yeah, hard to believe for me too, it was a different life. But that's what <laughs> jump-started my uh, baptism by fire into the world of entrepreneurship. So let's talk a little bit more about that. What, um, at what point, um, well, actually tell us how the business came about and then at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. Um, so my origin story and kind of everything I do um, kind of comes from something I say all the time. And that is once you can establish credibility, people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Mm. And uh, when I was growing up, my father was a vice president of Bose, speaker company. He oversaw the America, Americas in their commercial and pro division. And during that time, Abercrombie and Fitch was his account. Mm. And back in the day, as we remember, um, they were the giant, yeah. um, not only in sales, but in quantity of stores, and then in the experience of the in-store. Um, and from an audio video perspective, uh, they were second to none. And so uh, my dad had left um, Bose when I was in high school and I went off to IU. And as I was leaving IU, my father was able to broker a deal as Abercrombie and Fitch was going international, uh, their first few stores were going to be in London. Mm. Um, they were having an issue because Bose, the speaker, not only from a quality standpoint, but from an aesthetic standpoint, was crucial to their um, to their brand and to the customer experience. And so they were having a hard time because Bose operates differently in every country, different entity. Um, and they wanted a one-stop shop like they used to have with my dad. And so they called my dad and asked if he could help. And what he ended up doing was brokering a deal where we would become an audio video integration company. Um, we would become a Bose dealer, just like that, which is not how that works. <laughs> and in return, we would uh, design, procure, and install Bose in all Abercrombie stores during their international growth. Wow. And in turn, Bo or Abercrombie would keep the Bose brand. And so um, right out of college, uh, AV company, <laughs> not an AV guy, uh, growing up with a father that worked for Bose, foiled by audio and video growing up. So I still have that in me, but not a technical guy in that sense. Um, but it was really about management and uh, learning how to deal with people. Mm. And so for the first two years of that business, 
all we did was Abercrombie and Fitch's international growth. Wow. I believe we got up to about 32, 34 countries worth, um, a couple hundred stores in the first year or two. And all of a sudden we were an AV company. Mm. Um, and so in that context, in those first two years, you asked, when did I know? Um, oddly enough, I knew it was kind of an opportunity that over two years turned into a real business. And we could see the future of that business, not only internationally, but domestically. Um, but as a 22, 23-year-old kid, um, working for the most demanding, um, intense culture retailer in the country, maybe in the world, you have to go into, uh, I think about this moment in an office, the CEO of the German audio video company. This gentleman is 85 years old, has been doing this for 55 years. And I have to tell him how his technicians need to wear jeans, an Abercrombie shirt, and flip flop. <laughs> and I was, let's just say I was not taken seriously. And I remember in that moment, um, stepping outside, and I knew I had a moment to, uh, an opportunity to turn this around. And when I did, um, and that relationship stands to this day, that was a moment where I realized that this was really about relationships with mm -hmm. people, and I needed to learn that. And when you are building a business in 30 countries um, outside of your own, the culture, the language, the everything was an unbelievable learning experience for me where I really relied on relational um, capacity mm -hmm. to get through that. And so that terrible moment, intense <laughs> moment for me, I was ticked, as you can imagine, but I knew I had no ground to stand on. And that was a moment where I, I realized what this game kind of was mm. and that I was ready for it. That's awesome. So Curtis, tell us uh, more about the company today. What's the name? What do you guys do? How do you help people? Yeah, that company is still KD Global Solutions. And so I believe after Abercrombie and Fitch, I believe our first our next customer was Hooters nationally. And so still to this day, we handle uh, Hooters audio video work. Um, and we've just grown on that. So we handle mostly national retail restaurant commercial accounts. Um, LA Fitness, largest fitness gym in the country. Um, thousands of Taco Bells, thousands of franchise stores. We, we often will take a a company that's growing in their franchise capacity and they hit 20, 30 stores. And all of a sudden, even if they only have five speakers and one TV, it's a lot to manage. Um, so we are that one-stop shop. Um, we're a small team of only seven people, um, but we handle some of the largest national accounts in the world. Going through an RFP right now where another worldwide brand name could be ours. Um, companies like Fossil as well, Disney stores. Um, we, we have a really good niche of, uh, being a one-stop shop and really our our biggest asset is our service department got about 3,000 contracting guys across the country so that means we're anywhere everywhere means we're quicker and we're cheaper uh, we're reliable and relational because a technician that installs is the technician that repairs and that's a big deal and so we kind of took the Bose model and made it our own mm -hmm. um, and so we are still that to this day um, we you know, we have a, a few other companies, but uh, the other entities that we have and the ones that I'm focusing on right now actually spur from that machine. 
So that KD Global Solutions became our project management and maintenance installation machine, not just for audio and video. And so that's kind of the prerequisite to the other companies we built once we realized we had a machine for that. And so KD Global Solutions still exists to this day. And we, uh, we have a parent company since then, One Global DS, which handles uh, the content side to that. Okay. So for design, install, maintenance uh, systems, our One Global DS company is the content side, whether that's digital signage, digital, digital signage management, or audio, audio content, audio management, mm -hmm. or maybe the most unique thing we do, which is commercial scent. Scent is a huge uh, yeah. $50, $60 billion industry, and um, not very many people think or know about it. And so it's a very unique one, and we're all about the customer experience. Yeah. And that's a very powerful tool that we have because there's only a few companies in the world um, that have access to this opportunity that we do. And that's through relationships. And um, it was actually through when we were handling uh, most of the Bath Pro work back in the day. Um, and so those two companies are kind of the core of what we do. Fantastic. So interesting. You mentioned Scent. Um, uh, I used to work at SC Johnson, so Glade. Um, and uh, so have a, a good appreciation of the the uh, power of fragrance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every Holiday Inn smells the same because there's a set machine in there. It's not because they yeah. use the same product, you know. So yeah, <laughs> customer experience, brand recognition, whether they're boring, you want to be clean. Um, we have a powerful opportunity that, uh, or a scent that eats smoke. So uh, the cigar bar that won Best Cigar Lounge in the World in 2017, uh owned by my father their secret sauce uh everyone likes to say is the scent that we pump into the hvac system okay. and so that you can you you're, you're gonna have a cigar smell on you a little bit but as far as your clothes and overall when that scent's on it's a pretty special thing to be in a wow. smoking cigar bar not smell like uh smoke so wow. that's a unique fun thing that we do yeah, yeah that's incredible very cool so um Tell us a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think you could and that the impact that that person had on you. Yeah, that's an easy one. I'm, I'm going to use an example of actually pretty recently, um, you know, the kind of the minutia uh, behind what you're doing is, you know, this isn't a walk in the park when we choose this life and, <laughs> um, and wherever we think things are going, they probably aren't. Um, but, you know, I'm in a phase where I'm very blessed and we have a lot of things going on. And fortunately and unfortunately, we have a lot of, we're, we're past startup, but we're very early in something. Mm. And so as I do that, uh, my father and I do a lot of our businesses together, not everything, but we have a lot together. And we have never taken on debt or um, never um, done a raise, never needed to. It's always been self-funded. So the combination of that and how spread thin uh, I am a little bit right now, and then with kid number two coming, <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, mo most friends would know or would not believe me when I say this, but over the last year, you know, kind of the first time of struggling with stress and trying to manage that. And so to answer your question, it was actually my dad. Um, as I can get overwhelmed or nervous, I remember him talking to me about his journey which clearly i knew i was his son but hadn't really thought of it from his perspective as we can't do as children mm -hmm. um, but he had four kids 
and he was doing what I was doing <laughs> in a different time with um, less opportunity, less bigger things. So that conversation was crucial for me at where I have been at in my journey. And it was just, a, you know, a lot of people in our, in our world, when you choose this life, successful people have imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I have found that with successful people all over the world and all different verticals or businesses, famous people that have been lucky enough to befriend. And you just realize like, oh, okay. Uh, if they did that, if they feel this way, then that's okay. And it's part yes. of the journey. Yes. That's something pretty simple, but you know, realizing uh, it's not that bad um, yeah. in a vague term is kind of yeah. something I needed recently. And I'm sure I have many, many examples of people pushing <laughs> and helping, but that's a, that's a good one for me recently. Yeah. It, it makes a, a huge difference to know that we're not alone, right? That the feelings that oh, yeah. we're having and the fears and doubts that we have are just a normal part of the journey. And like you said, if, right. if other successful people have the same thoughts, then it's kind of like, oh, well, then there's hope, right? We'll, I'll get through this too. We're on the same roller coaster. He's got to go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I, to your point of the, the imposter syndrome, it's, uh, I think the stat is something around, you know, 90 or success is dependent 90% on the thoughts that we have in our head. Oh, yeah. And so the more that we can focus on our mindset and, and controlling those thoughts or flipping those thoughts from a negative to a positive and, you know, and, and, and therefore manifest or, or attract, um, I've been in this mindset journey for the last two and a half years. And, you know, Think and Grow Rich is a very popular book that talks about this, but you know, whatever we think is what we attract. And so when we can spend more energy on uh, having positive thoughts and affirming thoughts, then the more successful we'll become. But that doesn't mean that the negative thoughts don't still exist, right? That's so true. And I'm so happy you said that because you know, for a long time, I, I would hear somebody say what you just said. And there's a little bit of that feel when, when someone tells you like to be a vegetarian or you should do yoga <laughs> for some reason, we have this reaction of like, okay, all right, I get yep. it. Yep. So I think we know it's probably healthy for us. Actually, yoga is incredible for you, right? <laughs> yeah. But when people talk about mindset and certainly the word manifest, like before that would put me off. I'm like, okay, you're successful. You can say those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's not true at all. You know, manifest isn't, um, you want that Lamborghini and it shows up. It's the mindset. What are you focusing on? You know, biblically as well, right? Like in my world, my faith, you want to, you know, we want God to put on your heart when he wants to. And and that puts on your brain. And then that's how you act. So man, the, the reality of what it means to manifest, but from a mindset journey, you know, I'm only about a year and a half into that. Um, uh, a gentleman named David Meltzer really, really flipped uh, my mindset world upside down. You know, my father has been an incredible mentor for me and, and they're, things that I've always had in the back of my brain from how to treat people or how to try to get through life. One of those things like, you know, life is 90%, what happens 90, 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. Mm. And that's like the elementary version of the reality of the mindset that I'm trying to build and get into now. So Dave Meltzer kind of opened up the grad school version of those kind of things to me. And it's, uh, it's a little cringy at first. You're going, okay, but Yep. It's so true. And especially talking about our journey and the ups and downs, that's where those things guide you and keep you focused. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's so important, even if it 
sounds a little off to some people, but you know, one of the <laughs> biggest struggles is having the right people around you. And if you don't have people around you that understand that, then um, I, I love what you that you just shared about it. Um, you know, kind of being, what are you talking about? I remember when I was first introduced to it, I'm like, yeah, that sounds really foo-foo-y. Uh, yeah, that, exactly that, right. That's, that's not for me. That doesn't really work. And then because we, we teach it, I'm like, well, I better do it for real because I have to practice what I preach. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff started happening and I've gone back and I've mapped my revenue to my mindset and there's a hundred percent correlation between the times that my revenue is going up and, and that my, you know, I was doing the work on my mindset versus, you know, when my mindset was, was not as positive, I can see my revenue coming down. It's like, wow, that, that was it for me. That was the key of, okay, this stuff works. Now I need to get better at it. I had, um, I heard a quote from Will Smith, right. As I started into this mindset journey, as I was learning from David Meltzer, and he talked about this fine line of um, craziness and manifestation and how it really is a mindset thing. And, and I really need to memorize that that quote because I remember that when that hit me, it was a really big moment of, okay, I'm tired of hearing successful people say these things and I'm not doing <laughs> it. It's like, so just try it and see what happens. Right. And, you know, so much my things changed so much and it was so blatant um, that, you know, my word of the year last word last year, um, I like to have a, a word of the year and try to be, and this year, my word is intentional, uh, okay. being intentional about everything. But last year was unapologetic about talking about these kind of things, whether that's uh, from a faith standpoint or just from a mindset standpoint, saying those foo-foo things that some of your friends are like, okay, dude, <laughs> all right. But, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's important, and it's um, I mean, it's a lifelong journey, and um, a bad day can set you back, and so it's a never-ending battle. But um, it's the older I get, the more important I I realize how it is. Fantastic. So, um, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. Um, tell us about one of the biggest uh, challenges you've had as a business owner, and and maybe another you know, fellow business owner who came alongside you and helped you get through that? Yeah, um, certainly one of the biggest challenges with, um, you know, because of our our AV company and our our machine, I like to call it, um, we've, we've, we have some special partnership where we are taking some new technology to market. And in doing that, there's, there's the entrepreneurial early startup. We got to figure this out because these technologies are very new. Um, past bleeding edge, past cutting edge, but, uh, or maybe on that edge of bleeding and cutting, if that makes sense. Um, and so finding the right people, I say they're getting the right people on the bus. Mm -hmm. That's been one of my biggest challenges. Um, the nature of what, what we're doing and how we're trying to do it. Um, it's not an easy, it's not a black and white. Here's what you do. And this is what happens. Right. So it's been a challenge for us, um, to get the right people on board. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we do, you know, we do things a little bit different with how we build and grow because we fund and sustain everything ourselves. Right. And so like with our autonomous robotics company, for example, there's, there's kind of two ways to do it. And I've chosen the way of a bit more organic, um, getting the right people and building up as opposed to uh, another company or person might put a couple million dollars into doing something this way and then growing from there. 
And that's not really how we do that. And so the people we have involved are much, uh, it's much more difficult to find that right fit. Mm. And uh, so that's been a challenge, but uh, understanding how important that is. And once you figure those things out, right. when those pieces fall into place, that's, that's a big deal. Um, you know, as far as somebody that's helped me, man, I, it is, you know, there are no shortage of people. I'll, you know, I'll mention Dave Meltzer again, uh, because one thing he, he had asked me some foundations in my life and my faith was one and he blew that up in a pretty fun way. Um, but another one was the people I've always been surrounded with, um, mostly because of my friends, uh, my father and his friends and the people that I've been connected to throughout my life. And, you know, Dave said to me, that's great. What are you learning? Mm. I just, well, I'm not, I guess. Are any of them your mentors? No. It's like, why? Okay, great point. And so since then, I've been intentional uh, about, you know, asking today, this morning, I'll be meeting with a gentleman that I was lucky enough to meet. And I said, Greg, can I have 30 minutes of your time a month? Mm. I want to stay relevant to you, but I want to learn from you. Can I just have 30 minutes a month? And man, do relationships build from that. Um, I've done that so often uh, in the past year and a half. First time I did it, I was sitting on a plane heading to San Francisco and just happened to sit next to a gentleman named Rick Alvis. He was the CEO of the Wheeler Mission downtown really? Indianapolis oh, yeah. for 33 years, I think. Uh, just stepped down finally. But uh, back then we were, we sat on the plane. I was fresh off that conversation with Dave. And I just said, hey, Rick, can I have 30 minutes? And now to this day, after we see each other, it's a hug and say, I love you. I can't wait to see you. And so it's, there are a lot of people that I can think of. My, my first boss, Dean, and how detail-oriented he is. And that's not me. He's the behind-the-computer guy. I'm more in the front. I want to be with people guy. And um, he brought me there to closer to how he does some certain things. And it's so long ago, but that's crucial. Um, Sean Dill uh, is also here in Indianapolis. He runs the Black Diamond Club with his wife, Lacey. Um, he's, in the past two years of my life, has um, been a voice that I've needed as well. Um, but I, I mean, I could go on, Tim. I, the people that I have around me, I'm intentional about that. And it's because I, you know, I know I can learn from them and, and they help and they're honest. And, um, and once I turned intentional about that, I, I actually had to be more intentional about my time, mm -hmm. um, keeping those relationships. And so it's, uh, it's a unique beast uh, that grows once you start that. So there's a lot of people uh, I put my father up there and I would put my wife up there too. She, you know, she gives me a lot of freedom um, to do what I need to do to, to get things right. So there's a lot of people there. Fantastic. What's your uh, wife's name? Jenna. Jenna. Wonderful. And your dad? Jenna. My dad's name is Kim. I can't forget that. And uh, my son's name is Grant, like you mentioned. Uh, soon to be son's name is Miles. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. Wonderful. Um, Curtis, what's been your biggest learning as a business owner? Wow, learn, biggest learning. Um, you know, to be honest, Tim, I, I know we've talked about it a lot already, but just kind of the nature of the life I'm in. Um, you know, from a business perspective, it's about relationships. But, you know, my gut answer to you is what I've never, I've not been in the corporate world. Right. So that's um, 
there are things that I didn't go through, structures I didn't go through. And so when you're on your own and you're responsible for everything, it really brings it back on yourself. And so really through business and through everything we've done, it's really been a constant battle to improve myself um, and then focus on relationships within the family, um, whether that's becoming a father or a husband mm. or just internally. Um, uh, I hope I can say this. Uh, yesterday, I was speaking with um, a gentleman named Neil, who's an incredible person and coach. And he he said something along the lines of, when you're alone and what you're thinking about and how you think about yourself is the most important, uh, maybe milestone of where you're at in life. And, and so we can be super busy all day. We can be doing good stuff, bad stuff, business, whatever. But if you can't turn that off and if you can't just, uh, enjoy anything, or I was in a place for a long time where I needed a book on tape or a podcast in my ear, I needed to keep busy. And so eventually there, you, just like you said, there's the correlation between your business and yourself is huge. Mm-hmm. And you went back and tracked that revenue. I guarantee you I could do that and it would be the same. And so that's been an unexpected journey is how much I actually am working on myself yeah. through the business. If that makes sense, especially the last two years. Yeah. I love it. it. It absolutely makes sense. In fact, we have a a formula for success, we say it's it's B times do equals have. So we all want to have certain things out of life. And the mistake a lot of us make is doing, right? We're going to work harder. We're going to work longer. We're going to sacrifice evenings and weekends, right. but there's only 24 hours in a day. So right. the, the magic comes in when we focus on becoming you know, a better version of ourselves, right? Becoming the person that's able to do the things that are required in an efficient and effective way, right? And you mentioned some of them, right? Finding the right team members and getting the right people on the bus and and being able to delegate and, and inspire and motivate those folks to do more than we could do on our own, right. right? When we become the person that can do those things, right, in the business, then the business can provide for what we, ha- we want to have out of life. But if we're not sure. focusing on becoming, Right. Then we get stuck in that. Oh, my goodness, there's only 24 hours in a day. Right. How can I squeeze out another hour and, you know, take time from my family or take time from weekend and not go on vacation? And so I, I'm just I'm excited for you that you've you've understood that switch and that you're focusing on yourself. So congratulations. Yeah, I, I needed it. And it took people to, to show me that, uh, you know, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, I'm very thankful for that. You know, I, I keep going back to Dave Meltzer, but he kind of came in to my life at that time, him and Sean Dill, that really pushed this stuff on me. Um, we had mentioned earlier about some networking groups and things. And um, when you find a group of like-minded people, uh, that's extremely powerful, especially if you know they're going to make you better. Yeah. And then you want to be someone that makes other people better, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Hey, as you think about the next three to five years, what are the biggest challenges that you see you're going to face in reaching your goals? And who are the types of folks that you're going to need to help you solve those challenges? It's scaling. There's no doubt about it. Um, We have, um, you know, our autonomous robotics and uh, our weapons detection business is, um, is growing. Mm -hmm. And we've spent about a year and a half, two years of foundations and, and growth, but really prepping for um, 2024, especially um, to be big. And so it's scaling for sure is the biggest challenges we're going to face soon. And with scaling comes a lot of challenges, right? 
having the right people on the bus is a much bigger bus which, <laughs> with much bigger challenges. So um, I think that is going to be our biggest challenge. Now, that's a good challenge, mm-hmm. right? Um, but um, the challenges that come with scaling as you grow, those challenges are going to come in and be the challenges as well. So it really comes back to scaling, which is exciting, good. Um, but that needs to be done right. Uh, the culture's got to be right. And um, we want to do things the right way. And some of the ways that we're doing things, I want to be very forward facing, uh, especially in our state. Um, weapons detection in our state is something that I'm very convicted on. I feel that it's meant to be part of my journey. I'm very excited for it, um, but it's a very serious thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll, you know, we'll have a lot of people seeing what we're doing. And, um, and that's another thing, actually, once you get involved in groups and you build relationships and you have, um, whether it's networking groups or coaches or friends, proximity, you know, then you start to feel like, well, they're all watching too. And, <laughs> and so you start getting in your head, but it's a, it's a scaling issue. Um, it's a, a bit of a merging a bit better, all the things that we're doing mm-hmm. as opposed to all completely separate, um, merging things in a way to be a bit more cohesive. Sure. Um, and you know, the, the seamless family and all the people that, uh, we're doing partnerships and working with, it's making sure all those are done in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so long-winded answer to, to say scaling, I think, and I hope is going to be our, our biggest challenge because everything we've done so far, um, we've really done in a small business way, even though we, we can do, um, very, very large things. We're competing on a national or global level constantly. These are going to be a bit of a different monster. And so it's, uh, it's doing something that we haven't done yet. Yeah. Awesome. Last question, Jim Rohn, um, awesome business guru says we become the average of the five people we spend the most time Amen. with. As you think about that, um, what advice would you have for folks who are business owners who, who are trying to do it on their own, who feel like they, you know, they have to, they can't ask for help. They can't, you know, reach out to others that they just have to, to get through it on their own. What, what would you say to them? Absolutely. I, I have a great relationship with um, Professor Romero Day up at uh, Purdue University, and he allows me to come speak to the kids once a year or twice a year, once a semester. And that is one of my biggest focus points every time is ask for help, mm. ask for guidance. It is, it's such a simple concept and it seems so difficult but when you can <laughs> break through that. That's a big deal. Um, gosh, I'm going to mention his name for the 15th time, but David Meltzer instilled that with me because when I met him, he's an extremely wealthy, extremely popular, extremely busy man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was the CEO for Fourth One Marketing. Uh, if, um, yeah, I won't go down that. But he, when I first met him, he was this celebrity. This was he was a guy I had no relationship with, and in my mind, I'm just thinking like he was giving us all an opportunity to ask him a question. Uh-huh. And so when it came to my turn, like. My question was, what would you ask you if you were me? What is that? <laughs> and his answer was so simple. It was, ask me for help. What do you need? Mm. Uh, okay, so you're building a an ice cream store. Okay. Go find people that have done that. Tell them you're doing that. And just ask to sit down. Ask to have dinner. Ask how you can learn. And maybe you can be a value of them to them too. So it's always a two-way street. But literally just ask. It sounds silly, but it doesn't matter what you want to do, what you're trying to do, what you're failing at, what you want to do better. Somebody's doing that. Yeah. Reach out to them. 
And if it's somebody that doesn't want to talk, doesn't want to help, that's not someone you want to be a part of anyway. Right. But you'll find those people <laughs> that will latch on. I mean, this afternoon, I, I have a, um, a conversation with a, a kid I met up through Purdue. And, you know, it's a big thing I say at the end. Is if I can do anything for you, please, I give everybody my information. Dave Melter does that. Dave, I bet you get 2,000 text messages a day. But he genuinely gives people his information. Let me know how I can help. Yeah. Because people want to help. Yes. You know, and so yes. uh, the answer is, how do you do it on your own? It's like, you don't. And you can't, and there's no need to. And once you can learn that power of asking for help and asking, how can I provide value to you as well? And in a genuine way, not in a transactional way, um, that's a big deal. There's no doubt about that. I like what you said, because a lot of people are afraid to ask for help because they don't want to bother people. Oh, that person's probably too busy. They're not going to have time for me. But what you just said is everybody wants to help others. And to take that to another level is, you know, the most important person to each of us is ourselves. So if somebody asks us to share our journey or our story, right, or how we did something, you know, how were you successful? We're going to love sharing that story, right? Because we like, we like to talk about our journey and the things that have happened. And, and if it's going to help someone else, that's just a, you know, icing on the cake. Agreed. 100% agreed. Curtis, sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people who have helped you on your journey. If they were all, all on the show here today, what would you want to say to them? <laughs> what a great question. Uh, I mean, uh, I certainly couldn't have done it alone. There's no doubt about that. I would just say thank you for your trust in me and your patience in me. I think those are the two things that I've needed the most. And um, you know, especially when I was young, as we were building things, uh, working with your father, building things with your father. Mm. Um, it's not until now, as a father, that you can look at things from the other perspective. <laughs> um, and you realize um, when people have given you trust or patience, um, trust in that you're doing the right thing or honest, but trust in, I trust and believe in you that you can do this. And so that's what I've been surrounded with my whole life. And that's probably part of the reason our family is so close. So. Thanks for your trust and your patience. That's a good question, Tim. Wonderful. Um, Curtis, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Tim. It was good. I hope there's more. Thank you. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campsell. Be sure to help us spread this movement by liking the show and posting about it on your social media. And to join us, go to bemadtogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward and we'll see you all next time. Take care.